Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In school, he was labeled a malcontent and an instigator of trouble. He developed a reputation for either quitting jobs or being fired from jobs. And then he became the director of a federal agency. Who is this man and how did this all happen? Hello, everyone. I'm Pamela Brewer welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk. I am very pleased to introduce Dr. Michael P. Balzano, who today has served as advisor to six presidents and is a much sought after speaker. He is the author of Dyslexic, My Journey. Dr. Michael Balzano, welcome to Mind Talk. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Let's start at the very beginning with a definition for those who are unaware of what it actually means to be dyslexic. Well, uh, see, I was an undiagnosed uh, learning disabled child and later a tr- extremely troubled teen. Um, I was thrown out of uh, two schools before I even reached third grade. Um, and I read at the fourth grade level when I was 21. Mm-hmm. Um, my problem was no one diagnosed the shifting of letters within a word as being something that could be treated, i.e. dyslexic. Okay, So in my, in my situation, as I read something, as a matter of fact, I don't think you ever fully overcome dyslexia. I cannot read out loud in public these days because I'm busy looking at the word to make sure I see all the letters. Okay, um, but anyway, I I went through a pretty bad series of, uh, of of school systems problems until I quit school in the ninth grade. Um, I was I was um, 16 then. And I went through dozens of jobs, dozens and dozens of jobs. Um, and the only job I could hold was that of a garbage collector uh, until a back injury uh, sidelined me from that pr- pr- profession. Um, I, I was fortunate in that uh, some friends uh, asked me, uh, offered help, and um, I enrolled in an optical apprenticeship um, where I was grinding lenses. Okay. Uh, and lo and behold, days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months, months turned into years, and I became a craftsman, I became a licensed optician, and I managed an optical company. Uh, at that point, I was interested in studying history. I think, I think that is the great, the, the most important thing for any, any person is to study history. Uh, um, I started college at night, and then I shifted, believe it or not, to a full-time uh, college position. I was... I was offered a scholarship, a great scholarship. I had to get A-minus average, which I did. And I, I graduated magna cum laude. Um, and then I was awarded a full uh, fellowship uh, for the Ph.D. program at Georgetown University, which, which I, I was awarded a Ph.D. with distinction. And um, 
when I when I uh, left school, the newspapers, the Washington papers, ran a story about a former garbage collector who got a doctor's degree, and I got a call from the White House, and one thing after another, and I became the third highest ranking Democrat in the Nixon White House. Um, and I was giving, uh, I was providing advice to the president on workforce issues. I became a national spokesman for the issue. Um, you know, what, and, I, uh, let me interrupt I, you because I, I want to go back a bit because the the journey from being the kid who was seen as a problem and being the the teenager and the young man who couldn't keep a job for more than a second, there was a lot that happened for you emotionally in between. How were you treated by your age peers? How were you treated by the teachers? How were you treated by your parents? Oh, Dr. Brewer, that, that is an excellent question. Uh, what happened there was uh, my, my behavior was uh, outrageous. Okay, now see, I, I really believe that my, my misbehaving was a, a uh, unconscious way of masking the learning disabilities and the shame of being at the bottom of the class. Yeah. But I engaged in a whole bunch of activities. I mean, I burned down a garage. I mean, I, there were a lot of things that I did that were bad. And what happened was the parents in the neighborhood and the community uh, identified me as Crazy Mikey, and kids were not allowed to play with me. And that, that was fine with me because I, I was sort of a, uh, an urban Tom Sawyer. I played on the docks. I played on coal barges, oil tankers, rail yards. And what happened was I was further and further away from any kind of what you might call academic discipline. I was considered a, a nut, okay? And, and, and that's the way I, that's the way I was charged, and that's the way I behaved. So consequently, um, there was no attempt on my part uh, to try to read anything. Now, I'm a listener, and as I told people, I, I literally learned how to speak English by listening to the radio. I listened to all the radio broadcasts at 5 o'clock, like all the kids did, the Lone Ranger. And what I did was I was able to pull together sentences and words and context. Um, it, it is, it is a, a unique ability that I've had all my life. I went through eight years of college and graduate school, and I don't have a notebook. I memorized amazing. everything I heard. Amazing. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, so, so you see, the, the, uh, it, well, what happened was nobody in those days, and I'm talking about from maybe at least, at least at age 10 uh, to about close to 20, nobody went near me, okay? And then I found people who were attracted to me because of things that I did. I played guitar, and, and, and one thing after another, they took an interest in me, and, and then they began saying, you know, you're not stupid, because I kept telling everybody, well, I'm stupid. You, you don't want to hire me. Don't do it. Um, and the optical apprenticeship was the place where everything changed, okay? Because it, it was spoon-fed. You have to do this before you do that. And one follows, two follows, one, three follows, two. And step-by-step -step procedure, I began developing confidence in myself. And that, that, that's a major, that's a major accomplishment. That's because you, you never really get over uh, the feeling that you really are stupid. Um, and, I don't know if that answers your question. But. Well, you know, it does. But, you know, a, a, as you mentioned that, um, I, I recall your being interviewed by someone who turned out to be quite significant in your life, and you told her that you were stupid. 
you told her that, y- you know, you didn't know much about a whole lot, and uh, she didn't settle for that answer. Tell us a little bit about her. Well, she was a, she, I was trying to find a job to make some more money, and she was selling dinnerware crystal and silverware at night. And I did not know, but she was a University of Bridgeport uh, English teacher. And um, she came and interviewed me for the job. And um, I kept saying to her, look, I, I'd like to do this, but, but I'm really stupid. You know? And, she, and I, I couldn't understand why she couldn't see that. And she said, look, I, I, student, you know, students are my business. You're not stupid. You, you need some direction. You need some order in your life. But you are not stupid. And, and finally, I, I gave in. And I said, okay, look. I said, what, what do you want me to do? And she said, well, I think you've got to go back to high school, which I did at night. Um, and and she, she never left me uh, until she passed away. She was the one who brought me into the university, uh, introduced me to a couple of professors to get me started. And then about a year and a half later, she, she reentered my life, bringing me uh, face-to-face with the dean and showing the dean that I had to have a straight A average and that this was the type of person that we really wanted in the university. She had at least three other faculty members who felt the same way. So she was a very important person. In fact, I dedicated the book to her. Indeed. You know. Dr. Balzano, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, her name is Evelyn Casey, and when yes. we come back, I, I'd like for you to take us to that interview in your home that moment when she agreed to hire you but said, you know, you really have to learn the product. We're going to take a break, and we will pick it up right there on the other side. Folks, my name is Pamela Brewer. You are listening to Mind Talk and a conversation with Dr. Michael P. Balzano, who is the author of Dyslexic, My Journey. We'll be right back. Dr. Balzano, take us to your living room with Evelyn Casey. She's willing to hire you, but she wants you to learn the product first. How do you respond? Yes. What? Yes. What, what happened was <coughs> she was she talked for an hour, <coughs> and I listened to her very carefully. And then I said, "Well, look, I would I'd like to do this." And she said, "All right. Well, the first thing you have to do is you're going to have to learn all about the product." And I said, "Well, what does that mean?" She said, "Well, you have to learn." Uh, literally everything that I just told you. And I said, well, I already do. And she said, what do you mean you do? I said, well, I, 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 remember, I remember what you said. And she said, well, go ahead, tell me. Well, as I spoke, I could see her mouth opening wider and wider. And finally, when I finished, she said, this is unbelievable. She said, you've memorized the entire product line. And I said, well, that's what you told me. That's the thing that got her to go to push me into going to school. She said, "Look, with a memory like yours, there is no way that you not that you will not fail in college." You see, so so that was the that was that was the first time that someone ever really recognized that this is a person who is not stupid, who has some unique ability, and she was the one who pushed it the rest of the way. So when I met her then, uh, when I finished my optical training, I managed an optical company, 
And she contacted me again and said, you know, there's some, you really want to come down to the university and take a couple of courses. And so I said, well, you know, I said, I have always been interested in history. I always have been. Um, I couldn't pass any of the exams uh, in, in grammar school when they talked about the Greeks and the Romans, but I was just enthralled with it. So she was the one who brought me into the starting to take a few courses at night while I was an optician during the day. And she was there. She was the one who brought me to the dean who said, look, I, I really need to say to you, we, we'd like to offer you a, a scholarship. And, and they asked me why I had not matriculated. And I said, well, I, I can't pass the entrance exam. And the dean's he, his mouth opened. said, what do you mean you can't pass the entrance exam? And you're an A student. I said, well, I can't take multiple choice tests. So he, on basis of my record, waived the exam. And I came into school with a year's credit already there. They they. They gave me credit for the um, for the one year's worth of, of courses that I took over two years, um, and so I, I was off and running. Now, incidentally, I couldn't pass <laughs> I couldn't pass the uh, graduate record exam when I finished college because it was multiple choice. See, that that was the thing that I had to do was overcome the constant stumbling blocks that were there yes. and not be discouraged. Yes. Okay, and and the fact is, when when I got the call from Georgetown, when the dean of uh, Georgetown called me and he said, you know, I I'm calling you because I'm looking at your record. You graduated number one in your class, and you you completely failed the uh, the GREs. And I, my question is, if this if this guy is number one, imagine what the other people look like. And I said, well, look, I I can't take multiple choice questions. And, and he said to me, look, I would like to offer you a full scholarship to Georgetown on the basis of your record. So I suddenly was at Georgetown. Um, so anyway, that, I mean, the, 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 you know what I did, uh, Dr. Brewer? I developed little tactics for myself to overcome um, the, 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 the deficiencies I had. I'll also say this. Uh, uh, I think I am as learning disabled now as I was when I was five. The difference is I learned how to stay on course no matter what. Don't change course. Stay with it. Overcome it. And that's the way, that's the way I, I got from where I am, from where I started. You, you have said a couple of times that you couldn't take multiple choice uh, tests. What would happen Correct. when you were sitting there looking at a multiple choice exam? What would you see? What would you not see? Well, what, what happened was, as I looked at each choice, first I had to make sure the words were correct, because I misread words constantly. Secondly, um, and I was told this by a psychologist later, I, I, was, asking, I, was, I was examining each uh, option and thinking about the ways in which that option could be correct, Okay. So with multiple choice tests, I am told that there's stimulus and response questions. I mean, you look at it and grab it. Don't, 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 don't struggle with it. Don't try to understand it. Don't try to teach it. But go by the, the quick, and this is Princeton people told me this, it's stimu stimulus and response. Okay? I'm not a stimulus and response guy on paper. I am physically. I am mentally. But I can't do it. Now, I understand. My Ph.D., was in classical political theory. So I had to study Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, all the great thinkers. And, you know, Dr. Brewer, from my perspective, one of the reasons I was successful at it 
was because you don't just read those people quickly. You study their words. So I was able to, to develop a, a technique for understanding material and understanding the words rather than jumping at, you know, I think that's what he's saying. So, so that, that is, that's something that I credit with, with my being able to get, you know, honors in all of those courses because you know, a lot of people read it, but they didn't understand it. I went slowly and understood everything. The other thing I did, I took all the tough professors. See, when there were professors at the university level, there were professors who gave multiple choice. I sought out those people who gave essay questions and demanded understanding. Because, you know, let's face it, you could take the bus driver tomorrow and give him a multiple, cho a multiple choice test, and he's going to come up with some form of corrected answers. But not when you're asked specific questions and asked to document what you're saying. So that's, that's another reason I think I did so well in school. I took the toughest professors in both the University of Bridgeport and Georgetown. I mean, I took Gene Kirkpatrick when Gene Kirkpatrick was a graduate student, you know? So, anyway. Let me ask you this, for those who are listening, who um, understand that they have a diagnosis of dyslexia, and I do want to ask you in a moment about what it was like for you when you finally got the diagnosis at the age of 40, but, but before we go there, what would you say are some reasonable accommodations for someone who's dealing with dyslexia in school and at work? Do you have any recommendations? Well, again, uh, I wrote this book uh, to provide hope and help for parents with learning disabled children and parents uh, with, with uh, troubled teenagers. And the first thing that happens, the, at least with the people, and I am not a clinician, remember, but I noticed that parents are, uh, w when they find out about my story, I see tears in people's eyes because the first thing that happens, they, they, they're told their child, uh, may be retarded. Oh my God, what do you do? Well, they take one of three choices. Um, they try to change schools. That doesn't work. Then they try to homeschool. Or they actually take legal action against the school system to see if they can get help. And what happens is they're dealing with a kid in their mind that's got a real problem. When they talk to me, there's this sort of almost uh, epiphany like, oh my God, if this man could do it, my kid could do it. Okay. So that's the reason I wrote the book, because I read it to so many. I've speak, I'm, I, I speak in a lecture quite, quite frequently, and inevitably at the end of the lecture, there's always a parent coming up and sort of hemming and hawing, and then I say, okay, tell me what the problem is. And their kid is like me, okay? <laughs> and, and suddenly they see, gee, they, they, my, my kid could make it. And I do believe that, incidentally. Okay. Um, I know there's a question of IQ and intellect and all that, um, but I believe that everybody has a unique ability, and you've got to find it. And in my case, it was uh, the, the ability to memorize things, uh, unconscious, subconsciously. I just listen, listen to someone and memorize it. I could memorize the lines of movies I saw. I still I do it today, movies that I saw in the 1940s. Okay? It, just, it just sticks to you, you know? Now, somebody else might have a different, a different uh, skill. But what I believe is you have to combine the skills you have and then make those do, you know? So that's why I'm so high on apprenticeship programs. I, mean, I think apprenticeship programs is the key to it all. But, uh, okay. uh, but I hope that answers your question. Well, it, it does in a way. Um, I am curious, though, for someone who's dyslexic 
and working at a job, for example, are there typical accommodations that that person should ask for in the, in the furtherance of doing their job to the best of their ability? Should they ask for more time? Should they ask <coughs> for more verbal interaction? What kind of assistance should they ask for? Well, I, I, never, I never had that problem. I, I listened carefully okay. to the instructions. When the, when the master craftsman said, you're going to measure twice and cut once, okay, I listened to that. Okay? Um, but there, no one took any special uh, care in giving me orders or helping me do the job with the exception of watching to see that I did it correctly. Okay? Mm -hmm. You have to understand, Dr. Brewer, uh, uh, even today, to dial this phone number, okay, to call your your number, I had to check it three times. So what I learned in in my training is check three times, check twice, okay. dial once, okay, because eight out of ten telephone numbers that I dial are going to be wrong, okay? okay. That's just because the numbers the numbers actually shift when I'm looking at them. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard to describe it, but. Uh, but that's the way I see the world, you know? You were diagnosed at the age of 40. Yeah. What was that like for you when you actually received a diagnosis? Well, I was director of the Peace Corps in 1983, I think it was, 84. And I was uh, making a, uh, I was delivering a speech here in Washington to a UN group. And uh, a person in the audience happened to be uh, Dr. Um, Howard Higman, who was a professor of psychology in the University of um, uh, Colorado. And he came up to me after uh, I spoke and everybody was shaking my hand. And he came up to me and he said, my God, how did you get over your dyslexia? And I said, what? He said, your dyslexia. How did you get over it? And I looked at him and said, I, I, I don't know what that means. And he looked at me and he said, you don't even know the meaning of the word. I said, well, wait a minute. How do you know I'm what you said I am? <laughs> he said, because I got, I've got your speech in my hand. And I, I was reading along as you were talking. I'm saying to myself, my God, he's stumbling over every word, but it was all coming out right. And he said, you are severely dyslexic. That's the first time I ever heard the word. Now, on the other behavior problems, I've got to tell you, um, there, you know, you, you never overcome your fear of failure. And I had a fear of failure, and I still have it all my life, you know. When you fail as many times as I failed, you simply, it, it's an expectation, okay? And what I had to do was take heed of the uh, so-called affliction that I had, work through it quietly, slowly, and then, and then just proceed. Now, a lot of people probably didn't have that experience, um, but again, uh, Dr. Brewer, I am as learning disabled now as I was then. I simply use techniques that I have developed, and, and they are go slowly. And they I, work I can't rapid read can't at all. <laughs> okay. Dr. Belzano, at the end of your book, Dyslexic My Journey, you have a, a fairly comprehensive uh, indices that offers many different resources. Why was that important for you to add? Well, again, when I say I wrote the book to provide hope and help, the hope comes to talk to parents about the fact that your kid could make it if I made it 
with all the problems I had, surely your kid could make it. But then the question was, okay, it, most of the problems occurred very quickly between kindergarten and fourth grade. So what I did was I went through all of the different um, uh, symptoms of dyslexia. I've got two pages of them. I got them from NIH, and you know, and what I've done is put the symptoms there. And then I also put together uh, the uh, Orton-Gillingham uh, approach to dyslexic people. It works. It's a very good program. The only problem is it's very expensive, okay? But it does work. It's one-on-one -on -one teaching, first, second, third grade, right through. Um, so, but the other part which is the major part here, is the, um, I applied that same approach to the apprenticeship, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, the great thing about apprenticeships is y you, you, you have to work, you learn how to work with others, which I never could. You learn how to take orders. You'll cut, measure twice and cut once. And you also develop pride in yourself, when, uh, not only in your product, but in yourself. But then the big one is you gain financial independence. You see, you can earn while you learn. You see, there are many kids today who are led to believe since the 1960s that that in order to capture the American dream, you have to have a college degree. And that's just not true. Okay, That wasn't true in my life. I mean, because if it wasn't for the apprenticeship, I would not have been able to go to college. And the reason I think that's important today is because if you take the inner city kids, uh, well, maybe one percent is going to two percent is going to go to college. What are you going to do with the other ninety-eight? Okay, there are many apprentices. We have in this country today a resurgence of manufacturing. We are in an apprenticeship revolution. There are more jobs available than there are people to fill them, <laughs> but they require discipline. They require learning. Let's see. So that so, so I'm big on the apprenticeship. I am not. This is not anti-college. I mean, my God. Uh, uh, what I'm saying is there are some people who maybe the apprenticeship is an appropriate stepping stone. Do you yeah. recommend apprenticeships just for, for people generically, or would you say that there's a particular population that is best suited to go the apprenticeship route? That's a very good question. Uh, I don't want to give the impression that if you fail all your life, the apprenticeship is the place for you. No. But it is, see, today everyone's, every, every parent has a child and they think that child's going to be president. Well, guess what? It, 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 very early in the game, you discover that they may not have the skills. Okay? <clears throat> I find the apprenticeship suitable for those people because, number one, it, it, it is so carefully laid out. You must conquer step one before you conquer step two. And so on, three, four, right through. And what I have found is the apprenticeship offers a, a systematic learning process which reinforces each success upon the other. Okay? Now, uh, I think... There are people, you and I both know them, you know, there are people who are upper middle class children, their, their parents are professionals, well, they're, they're going to go to college. But what about the rest of them? Okay, where do they go? And I believe that the, the apprenticeship is a place where someone can sort out the, their direction in life. Because it gives them a chance, as it did me, to say, hey, you know what? I'm not stupid. My God. 
I mean, I'm becoming a craftsman here, a craftsman whose, whose earning power has increased. So that's, that's the group. Now, I will tell you also there are some people who they may be brilliant, uh, and they may have a great college career in front of them, but they decide to do something else. The kid who invented the uh, um, Facebook, I mean, he didn't even go to school. I mean, the same thing is true with the, with the, with the Apple people. I mean, some people dis- discover early that there's something that they want to do and that they could do, and they're going to go do it without the education uh, credentials behind them. I, I was not that person. I had to have the step-by-step learning process, which gave me the courage to go forward. I mean, can you imagine walking into Georgetown University? Uh, in the Ph.D. program in political theory, never having taken a course in political science. I just studied history for the first four years. <laughs> so, but I applied the same technique. You have to have step one before you take step two. Go slowly, be accurate, measure twice, cut once. Dr. Balzano, our, our time has slipped away from us so quickly but I know that there are people listening who want to know more about your journey and certainly your book and your recommendations. How do people find out more about your book? We, the book has a it's, a, it's a very inexpensive book. It's not going to be hardback. It, you can get it on, you know, online uh, if you have a, uh, one of those computer things. I'm not good at computers. But we have a website for the book, which is michaelpbalzano.com. Okay. And you're going to get a lot of information there on what's in the book. We give everything away. This, this, this book, look, I'm 85 years old. This book is not to make money. This book is to help people who are looking for help, you know? Absolutely. So the com will give you a lot of information. You can get the book on Amazon there, but it'll tell you things that you'd have to go hunt for yourself, including the appendix of the book. The appendices in that book is definitely worth picking up the book because it will save you weeks and months of experimentation. I, that so that's, that's what I yeah. suggest. The, the appendices is, is just wonderful all by itself. Dr. Balzano, we've got to run, but I thank you so much for sharing your time and your journey and your wisdom with us today here at Mind Talk. Thank you so much. Dr. Brewer, thank you so much for this call. Folks, thank you for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you reg- regularly as a public service. It is not intended to replace any work that you may choose to do with a clinical professional. If you would like to email me, I'd love to hear from you. That email address is Pamela, P A M E L A, at mindtalk.org. That's M Y N D T A L K. I look forward to you joining me next time on MindTalk. MindTalk is available to you online at the MindTalk website and several other platforms. And remember always, if it's unacceptable, it's unacceptable. You take care. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.